0: Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. All right, let's jump in here. We are in a series on the glory of God. How many of you have been enjoying this series? You've been getting a lot out of it. So this series has really been about getting glory. Like I actually preached that two weeks ago, getting glory. That was the title of my message. It's been about getting more of God's glory. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But today I want to shift our focus from not just getting glory, but that we were meant to also give glory. What do I mean? That the glory of God was meant to flow through our lives. We don't just get it for us. We pour it out onto others. The problem is, and the temptation is, that we would take the glory. Like when we get glory, then God's glory on us, we're blessed, good things happen, that we then start taking the glory from God. And no longer does God get the glory for the good things in our lives, but we get the glory. So we start taking glory that was meant to flow through us to others to bring him praise. And I think the temptation is that we would see God as a means to our end. Like, how can I use God to get what I want? How can I turn God into a means to my end? Here's what we need, though. We need to see God as the end. Like, the goal is more of God. The, more, the goal is knowing him more and being more like him. So we can't be a church of people that steal and take God's glory. No, the water of glory must flow through us. And we can illustrate this by a river or a reservoir, right? So a river flows, but a reservoir the dam, and they stop the water from flowing. I've actually swam in the Dead Sea. If you don't know, the Dead Sea is in Israel. And so I've been to Israel. I swam in the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea has the highest salt content of almost any lake in the world. And as a result, nothing can live in it. There are no animals, no fish. Everything is dead surrounding the Dead Sea. Why? Because of the content of salt. Because there's an inflow, but there's no outflow. And it's the same way with us. If we keep getting God's glory, but we never allow God's glory to flow through us to others, then we can very quickly become toxic, unhealthy, and eventually dead. And so today I want to talk to you to d- about this topic. And the of my message is the flow of glory. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm in the flow. Tell them, I'm in the flow. Actually, tell them, let's get in the flow. So listen, this series has been about getting glory. I've been talking about glory on you, but I don't just want the glory on me. I want the glory to flow through me. And that's what I wanna talk to you about today. So how do we have the glory flow through us? It requires some things. And I think we can illustrate this no better than looking at the life of David. Go with me to 2 Samuel chapter number six. I love David. He is my favorite Bible character after Jesus my favorite Bible character, partly because my middle name is David, come on. And, uh, but, but a big reason is because David was not perfect. Broken, messed up, sinful. He did some horrible things. And yet God calls him a man after his own heart. So how could he be a man after God's own heart after the horrible things he did? He's a man after God's own heart because his heart was postured towards God in repentance. That when he failed and messed up, he was repentant and said, God, I'm sorry, help me to not do the same thing again and to be more like you. This should encourage you because I know y'all got sin in your life too. There's no perfect people in this place. And so what can make us a person, a man, a woman after God's own heart, is that our heart is postured towards God in a repentant way. That says, I mess up, but God, I'm sorry, help me to be different moving forward. And so I want to start at the beginning of David's kingship. So if we know in chapter number six or five, David is anointed king. David is the second king of Israel. Saul was the first. So Saul is anointed king of Israel. Israel, the nation of Israel, are God's people. Started with Abraham, grew into a mighty nation. They established their kingdom, and then they're like, we want an earthly king like all the other nations. So God allows it. They... they First anoint Saul as king, and Saul goes bad quickly. And so God sees this, and he says, we need a replacement. And so he anoints David, a young shepherd boy, keeping walk, watch over the flocks, the youngest, the least likely. And God anoints him as king. And then here we come to, in chapter number five, David becomes the king. Saul has died. David's anointed king. And this is what David does as one of his first acts as king. Chapter 6, verse 1. Here we go. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the Ark of God. This is the Ark of the Covenant. Y'all know what this is because you saw Indiana Jones. Even if you don't read the Bible, you're like, I know that. (laughs) Which is called the name of the Lord of hosts who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the Ark of God on a new cart, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. So this is how David starts his kingship. This is his first act as king, which is how we have the glory flow through us. It requires, number one, a full commitment to his presence. I have been hammering this point this entire series. The presence of God. Do you get it yet? Every week there is a point on the presence of God. I've been hammering this point. But we cannot see this any more so than from the life of David. What happens here? Saul is king for years. And the entire time Saul is king, he never once brings the ark into the city. All the time Saul is king, he never once brings the Ark of the Covenant into his own house or into a tent as they were instructed to do in Jerusalem. He leaves it in a random priest named Abinadab's house in the hill country 50 miles from Jerusalem. Now the Ark of the Covenant embodied the physical presence of God. In this day, the presence of God rested on this ark, rested in this ark, and what does Saul do? He wants nothing to do with it. He really never even thinks about it. The only time he thinks about it is when it's stolen by the Philistines at one point in the journey of his kingship. And so Saul leaves it in this house, wants nothing to do with it, and what is the first act that David does as king? the first act david has just been anointed king in chapter 5 and in chapter 6 he says we must get the ark and bring it into the city we must put it in a tent in jerusalem he says if i'm gonna be king i'm not going anywhere without god if i'm gonna move forward and lead i'm not leading without god this is for you church if you're leading your family, you cannot do it without the presence of God. If you're leading in your job, you cannot do it without the presence of God. If you're being a good father, and mother, you cannot do it without the presence of God. If you're building a business, you cannot do it without the presence of God. David had full commitment to his presence. He is so committed that he sends 30,000 soldiers to get the ark. He says, there is no way this ark will not make it. Can you imagine you're Abinadab? And you're chilling at home and your sons are there and the ark's in your house. And up March, 30,000 soldiers. Ah, 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 You come out the door and there is a sea of soldiers, spears, swords, armor. And David is there. He says, I need the ark. Bring me the ark. Bring the ark to the city center. I'm not moving without the presence of God. This series on glory, I'm talking about the glory flowing through you. I'm telling you, you cannot have the glory flow through you if you don't have more of his glory. And I believe that the reason God called us to do this series, and we've been doing it for these five weeks, next week's the final week, is because God wanted to pour out new glory on his people like never before that Project Church has experienced. He wanted you to experience his presence in a new way and in a fresh way. And some of you aren't ready for it, but God's going to do it anyways. Why? Because he wants glory flowing through your life to every sphere and atmosphere that you walk into. And so you need fresh glory. You need more glory. But it takes a full commitment to his presence. That's why I say, prioritize this place. And some of you are like, but Caleb, I know. I'm a temple. You talked about it two weeks ago. I'm a tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit dwells with me. And so Christians will come to me and be like, I don't need to go to church to walk closely with God. I don't need to go to church to have the presence of God. And while that's true, yes, it's also not true. Because God is a God of people. And he says, you inhabit my presence, but he's also a God of places. I want you to think about the upper room in Acts chapter 2. There are 300 people waiting for a week on God's Spirit to fall on them. They're gathered together in an upper room. And you know it started with 300 and it dwindled down to 120 how many of you know, not everyone is fully committed to getting the presence of God. 180 people were there, and they fell off the wagon in the journey of waiting on his presence. And then finally, those 120, that remnant, God falls in that place, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in other tongues, prophesy, and God moves in a powerful way. You see, he's a God of places, too. It's why I say prioritize this. Because you experience the presence in a special way when we're gathered together here. I love what's happening in our church right now. You know, this week, literally every day of the week, there was someone here learning about the Word of God, uh, uh, studying the Word of God, seeking God's presence in worship or prayer, prayer rooms, presence night. I mean, every night of the week, people are here seeking God. I'm telling you, there's something different in the room right now because there is a stewardship of the presence right now. There is a full commitment in this house to his presence. In a new way, in a fresh way. I'm telling you, you cannot let the glory or have the glory flowing through you until you are fully committed to his presence. Second thing we see is having the glory flow through you. It requires a change of pace. His pace. In a day and an age when we operate at our pace and how, how is our pace? Our pace is fast. It's hurried. It's go, go, go. It's Amazon one click. I'm gonna get it the same day. It's fast food. Give me through the drive through Ooh, I can already smell that In-N-Out burger, church. Come on. We're in a moment where we are rushing. We are hurried. We are moving. And I think right now, today, God wanted to remind us, you need to slow down your pace. This is something God convicted my wife and I with this year. He said, slow down your pace. Slow down. You don't got to move. And I'm a leader, and I like to move quick. I'm like doing now on my pace. I'll hit people up like hey, I need this tomorrow. They're like, this will take me three days. I'm like, cool, tomorrow, please. But God's been saying, it's my pace, not yours. We are a hurried people, a rushing people. And how many of you know that Jesus did most of his ministry out of interruption? The reason you struggle with the glory of God flowing through you is because you don't have time for God to use you. How could the glory flow through you when you're too busy for God to use you? I got this extracurricular and this event and my kids going here and I'm going there and I'm gonna sign them up for every single thing possible. I'm not saying you give your kids everything they want. I'm all four parents that, that do a lot. I do a lot for my kids. I got three little ones. It's tough. But at some point we gotta go, can we slow down? Can we say no to that and prioritize this? Can we say no to that event? Because we need to be at this God event. Let me show you this. Let me show you this in scripture. In this story. So I'm going to fast forward a few verses later. So they did a little stop along the way. I don't have time to get all into it, but they had to stop the ark and it stopped in another house for a little bit and then finally David was like, "All right, it's time. Get it here. Get it to Jerusalem." Here we go, verse 13. So David, so, and when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fatted animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all of the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord into Jerusalem with shouting and with the sound of the horn. Somebody didn't catch this, so let me show you. Jerusalem was 50 miles from Abinadab's home. They begin to move it. They get to the gates. Now, uh, the, the city of Jerusalem is, is you know, around uh, three and a half miles across, and so most likely the the. David's palace, David's home was in the center of the city. So we're we're guesstimating, you know, historians around a mile and a half journey from the gates to the center of the city where the ark was rested in a tent. And it says, if you were paying attention, that they took the ark. So you've seen images of it, right? It's a box and it has two beams and they would have one person at every corner carrying the ark. You got it? You with me? It says that they went six steps, and then David sacrificed. So they pick up the ark, they enter into the the city of Jerusalem, they go through the gates, and here's what they do. One, two, three, four, five, six. Put it down. Bring me the ox. You guys know an ox isn't a small animal. It's like a giant cow. Bring me the ox. Slice blood everywhere. Now, bring me the fatted animal. We don't know what it was. It probably brought different types of animals, but they're another big animal. Slice, blood everywhere. And David danced. So, David hits the gritty or something, you know what I'm saying? David's out there like in the blood, just let's go. This is for the Lord. He dances unto the Lord. Okay, do it again. Pick up the ark. Now, six more. One, two, three, four, five, six. Put it down. Bring me an ox. Slice blood everywhere. Bring me a fatted animal. Slice blood everywhere. David, hit it again. Hit it again, David. Come on. Dance it to the Lord. I need Chrissy up here doing some moonwalks for me. Come on, babe. Get up here. You want to moonwalk with me? On the last one. Come on. Okay. Do it again. Pick it up. One, two, three, four, five, six. Put it down. Bring me another ox slice, bring me a fat animal slice, now gritty for the Lord, gritty for the Lord there you go, Chrissy, hit your move oh, oh, there it is I didn't know you would really do it thank you this is my only move, I just do this dance it to the Lord you get the point you get the point point. and for a mile and a half, this is what they did Let me tell you about this pace. It was bloody. I mean, can you imagine the carnage behind them? Ox after ox, fatted animal after fatted animal, every six steps, blood everywhere, guts everywhere, animals everywhere. It was bloody. It was raw. It was slow. But that's what it took, David believed to honor the presence of God and to bring the presence of God into his city in the right way. And so he was committed to the slow, raw, bloody, unfiltered process of stewarding this presence. And yet we are in a moment where our pace is so fast, we don't have time to even stop and worship. I mean, I say, bow your heads at the end of a service and y'all are running for the doors. (laughs) Don't keep it that real, Caleb. Why? Because we got to go. Next thing, next event, next up. I check my box. You see, God's people, if the glory is going to flow through us, we got to slow down, church. Because God's going to bring people along your path that you're meant to pour glory out on. But if you don't have time for them, how can God use you? And then before you know it, that river stops flowing. Because you stopped it up with your busyness, with your hurriedness, with your pace. Having the glory flow through you, it requires third, a heart concerned with worshiping God more than pleasing man. The fear of man is real. You've experienced it, right? The fear of people, what people might say, what people might think. I've dealt with it my whole life. My wife tells me like I'm motivated by, uh, what is it? Social acceptance. I couldn't even think of what it was. What am I motivated by? I'm motivated by social acceptance. So what does that mean? I want people to like me. I want people to accept me. I want people to to feel like I'm doing great and I'm for them. And that can very quickly translate to the fear of man. To where I actually... Don't do what God is asking me to do because of what people might say or think about me. Watch this. We're going on just a little further in the story. Verse 16. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, so here it is, it's coming. Every six steps, sacrifice. David is dancing. Michael, the daughter of Saul, who is David's wife, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. He wasn't hitting the gritty, apparently. And she despised him in her heart. Jump to verse 20. And David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today. If you don't know, that's sarcasm. There is sarcasm in the Bible. Oh, how the king of Israel honored himself today. You hear it? Attitude uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows, shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And I will celebrate before the Lord. In fact, I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. What was David saying? He said, woman, you ain't seen nothing yet. You think I was doing too much there? just wait. One version says, I will become even more undignified in your presence before the Lord. He's saying, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. I'm here to give praise and honor and glory to the Lord, and I will worship him in spirit and truth. I will dance and leap and prance and gritty and run a circle around the room and wave a flag, maybe. If God asks me to do it, this is his heart's cry. A heart of worship that fears God more than he fears man. That's committed to worshiping God, concerned with worshiping God more than pleasing people. And I think about how many of us in this room, we, we come into worship and we're so dignified. We come in here and put our hands in our pockets. and I'm worshiping in my heart. I'm worshiping in my spirit, Caleb. That's, that's just how I worship. And that's funny on Super Bowl Sunday because we'll, we'll leave here and we'll go to a living room with a bunch of strangers and we'll go to a game with a bunch of people we don't know and we will scream and yell and, 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 and high five people we don't even know and dance and twirl in circles and rip our shirts off and paint our faces for people that don't know us that will never give anything to us. We will undignify ourselves for a team, but in the presence of God, uh, I'm just worshiping in my heart. Great, great, great and some of you are like, "What, well, Caleb? I didn't grow up in church. Like, like uh, I don't come from a culture of like expressiveness. I don't care." I need to teach you right now. What does the Bible say? The Bible says to clap your hands to the Lord. It says to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. It says to dance, to sing, to praise, to lift holy hands in the presence of God. So I worship with my body because the word tells me to, not because the pastor told me to. I do it out of obedience. And so I need you to hear me because some of you are like, but that's just not what I do. Well, well, it needs to become what you do. And some of you need to start small. You just start here. Just start here. And we need a church that becomes more and more undignified before the Lord, that learns to worship like never before, that becomes a house of praise and worship physically, audibly, visibly, Why? Because the Word tells us to. And I'm someone that's more dignified. I'm someone that's a little more reserved. My wife will tell even at our kids' games, I'm like, when I'm just sitting watching, I like barely make a noise. My son even takes a dribble, and my wife's jumping out of her seat. And you see it in this room, too, when she worships. And yet this is a call from the Lord that we would be more concerned with worshiping our king and pleasing any earthly man. And there are people that will mock you, shame you, question you, Christians and non-Christians alike. But who are you here to worship? Who are you here to please? I want to illustrate the flow of glory for you if that's all right. I want to illustrate that God's glory is always flowing. Let me just show you. It's always flowing. It never stops flowing. And if we do even a lot of the things that I've been telling you to do that David did, we can very easily position ourselves to receive the glory. And I believe there's an outpouring of glory happening right now in our church that if you position yourself properly, if you do what is required of you, you're getting filled up. But guess what? I'm not just meant to receive it. I'm meant to then pour it out. Like I go to work, I I, I get glory in prayer, in the word, when I go to church, when I'm spending time with God on my own, and then I I go to my family, and I go to my friends, and I go to my neighborhood, and I go to my job, and I go to my school, and I just pour glory back out, and then I get back right, positioned correctly, to to do what is required of me, to get more glory. The glory is always flowing. The question is, are we positioned to receive it? And then not only that, are we then taking it and pouring it out on others? Because the glory wasn't meant just for you, but to flow through you. But here's what happens. I've seen it in the church. I've seen it in my life. I can very easily get critical and cynical. I can very easily begin to look around at the church and be like, I know how she really is. I know the life they really live. Oh, I don't like what they're wearing. Oh, I, I wonder what they spent on that. And we've been to question, and, and we, get, we get more and more cynical and more and more critical, and before we know it, the glory is still flowing, but we've put a lid on our life. And even when we walk into the right rooms in the right places... The lid has blocked us from receiving the glory that we were meant to receive. And how many of us in the church have placed lids on ourselves? Lids of cynicism, lids of criticism, lids of doubt, lids of fear, lids of what man might say about us. Lids of being more concerned with what we want than what God wants. More about our dreams than God's dreams. More about where we need to go than stewarding his presence. But then there's another thing that can happen. You see, some of us, we get the lid off and we're like, let me get my heart right. And I don't want to be critical and cynical. And so the glory is always flowing and we're positioned right. And so we, we start getting filled up like, oh yeah, there it is. There's my glory. I'm getting more glory. This is amazing. then you know what happens? I said it at the beginning of the message. I haven't really talked about it since. There's a temptation then that when we get God's glory, then we start stealing his glory. We start saying, I built that. I accomplished that. I'm successful. I'm a beast. I'm the man. I'm the woman. I built this marriage. I made this money and then God goes now now pour out the glory on everyone else but the problem is we've put a lid on the flow because we're robbing God of his glory we can't pour out glory when the glory has become ours We can't pour out glory on the places and the people that God has put in our lives if we've put a lid by making His glory about us getting glory. And so, you know what will happen to this if I leave this long enough? I had glory in me, though. That little by little, this goes bad, it becomes toxic, it becomes gross. And a life that had been full of glory one time is now full of death and anger and hopelessness. Why? Because I made it about what I've done rather than what he's done. And so I wanna close as the keys come back that we need to do what is required of us to have the glory flow through us. And the final thing is, it is a person who carries God's dreams as much as their own dreams. His dreams as much as my dreams. Because if we were honest, I wonder when was the last time we asked God what his dream was. Because most of us are always asking God to bless our dreams to bless what we put our hand to, to bless what we're trying to build. We say, God, be with me in this room. Help me build this thing. But when was the last time we stopped and just said, but God, what's your dream? What's your dream for you? Not even your dream for me. What's your dream for you? Watch this. Very next chapter, chapter seven, read verse one, David. Now, historians will tell us from chapter six to chapter seven, Five years have gone by, David becomes king at 32, sorry, from chapter five to chapter seven. David has become king at at 32 years old, now he's 37, five years later. Now when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, see now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Did you catch it? Did you see it? David's 37, and he has gotten the dream. He's gotten his dream. I'm king. I'm in power. I'm anointed. And not only that but it actually says that all his, his, his surrounding enemies have been crushed and he has peace. He's sitting in the castle on the throne and everything is good. Life is good. You would think in that moment he would have been satisfied. Would you have been satisfied? I finally got it. I finally achieved it. I finally made it. I'm at the pinnacle. And yet David's heart is grieved. Why? Because he says, here I am in a castle, in a house of cedar, but my God is in a tent. My God does not even have a permanent home. And so he goes to Nathan he says, can I build God a temple? And Nathan says, everything you've done this far has been blessed. Do all that's in your heart. You see, God didn't tell this to him we don't have any point in scripture where we see that Nathan goes to David and says David you need to build God a temple because he's in a tent that doesn't happen the prophet doesn't tell him but it was almost like as David achieved his dream there was a different dream released and it was a dream for God not even for him and that's what I wanted to challenge us with here today to end. That we would begin to have God dreams. Because some of you have asked over and over that God would bless your dream and bless what you're building and bless what you put your hand to. But, but is our heart grieved for what God wants? Like what if God wants something different for this house? Something different for your house? Something different for your life? And here is David pinnacle in the dream and he's grieved he says how can I be satisfied when my God is in a tent and it leads David to begin the process of setting up the building of the temple which his son Solomon completes the most beautiful audacious temple ever built for the God of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, Jesus is not a stepladder to your dreams. We need to make Jesus and more of him our dream. Like more of him is my dream. And then he calls me to go out into the other dreams I have and the other spheres I've been called to, and I carry the glory, and the glory flows through me. You see, we got to remove some lids and we got to begin to pour out. Some of you are all about receiving, you need to be about giving. You're all about taking, you need to be about pouring. Not only that, but the glory's flowing. And I just got the sense even today that God is going to pour out His glory in a new way in this place. Like there is more glory for you than you've received. And that's the word I just got. You see, this happened to me just this last weekend. I was in San Francisco for a prayer conference and I I went on a Friday by myself. Chrissy had another thing going on. And so I, I was by myself there and... And I kind of spent the whole day by myself. I'm sitting in on these workshops and these services and I even had dinner by myself. And, uh, and I went that night to the final service and the message was preached. And during the message, the pastor said something. He said, I believe there's gonna be a gift of tears released in this place. And I was like, oh, that's nice for someone. And God said, that's going to be for you. Now, if you don't know this about me, my wife will tell you I don't cry. She could count on one hand how many times I've cried in 15 years of marriage. Like she's she cries. For, enough for the both of us. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> but not me. I'm dignified. I'm a leader. I'm a man. Strong so I sat through the whole service. I'm like, oh, that's cute. That's for someone. God's like, no, it's for you. I'm like, nope. (laughs) That's funny, God. And so the service ended or the sermon ended and they did a worship song. And I sat, I stood for the worship song and I worshiped and, and nothing happened. And that worship song ended. And I'm like, well, this is a good time for me to leave. It's 9 PM. I got to drive back to Sacramento from San Francisco. I start packing up my bag, packing up my notes, zip it. And I'm literally about to walk out And God says, stop, be still, I'm not done. And I'm like, God, I gotta go, I gotta drive. Stop, be still, I have the gift of tears for you. I'm like, no. And so I'm standing there and they begin to play and sing a song, all is for your glory. And they sung it once. And the second time they sung, all is for your glory. I just begin to weep and I don't cry. And I was trying not to cry. I'm holding it back like, no. And I begin to cry and I couldn't stop crying. And I cried through the whole song. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me and said to me right then what he wants to say to you right now. He said, Caleb, you thought you'd experienced everything I had for you but you've barely cracked the surface. Like you thought you had experienced all the glory that you could ever experience, but I wanna pour out something new, something fresh. I got a fresh infilling of glory for your life and you're gonna experience things this year like you've never experienced. And when I experience greater glory, I can pour out greater glory. And so some of you are not in the flow of glory because you're not experiencing fresh infilling of his glory. And so we're going to sing that song right now, if that's all right. And as we sing that song, here's what I believe. It already happened in the last couple services that the gift of tears is going to be released on somebody in this place. A gift of prophecy is gonna be released on someone in this place. The gift of tongues is gonna to be released on somebody in this place. A new dream is gonna be released on somebody in this place. A God dream is gonna be released on somebody. Why? Because there is greater glory coming for his church this day and, and next week and this year than ever. But are we willing to do what is required of us to receive greater glory? For some of you, it's just gonna to be to, to stay. As we sing, some of you aren't ready for it. That's okay. You're like me. You're going to fight it. I fought it but how many of you know you can fight God as much as you want but he always wins you've been fighting God some of you in your faith journey but he's gonna win cause he's pursued you to this moment in this place on this day and some of you need to surrender your heart to Jesus for the first time so would you bow your heads with me across this room you're in this place you say Caleb that's me actually I've been fighting God I've been running from God I tried to do it my way in my strength but today I'm ready to surrender my heart to Jesus Christ Jesus is the dream. More of Him. Him as your Savior. Him as your forgiver. Him as your Redeemer. Him as your Lord. So if you're in this place and that's you've been fighting God, but you're ready to surrender your heart wholeheartedly to Jesus, I want you to lift your hand. Come on. Right now, put it up if that's you. Yeah, I see the hand. I see the hand. I see. I see. I see. I see. I see. Hands going up in the room. Come on. Come on. That's what it's about. Put your hands down. Pray this with me. Everybody in here, say this with me. Say, Jesus, you are the dream. I want you to forgive me, I want you to change me. I want you to transform me. Take away my sin. Make me new. Today, I surrender my heart, my life, all that I am, to you, the Savior and the King. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Stand. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Here's what I want you to do. I want you all to put your hands out like this, like you're going to receive your hands out. We're not going to keep you long. I know there's a game. It's not till 3.30. You're good. I want us to receive something. And so right now in this place with hands open, I want us to receive a new measure of glory in this place. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to feel like. I don't know what you're going to experience, but there's going to be something unique if you're open to it. If you lay aside your cynicism and your criticism and your doubt and your fear, and you just go, God, I'm, I'm here and I'm ready to receive. So Lord, right now with hands lifted, With hands postured, ready to receive, I pray for a release of glory in this place. God, the gift of tears begin to flow. God, the gift of prophecy begin to flow. God, the gift of spirit. Some of you that pray in a prayer language, a Holy Spirit prayer language, you haven't done it in a long time. I want you to begin to speak in other tongues, to begin to pray in other tongues as the Lord gives you utterance. Oh Lord, release glory. Release glory. Release glory. God, release forgiveness, God. Some of us that have hated ourselves, today we're gonna begin to love what you made us to be. We're gonna begin to love even the worst parts of us, God, because you redeemed them and you made them and you died for them. God, release glory in this place. We need to be filled up. We need your presence. We need your glory. We can't do it. We can't flow in it. We can't pour it out without more. God, we want more. Some of us have been closed off. Take off the lid in this place. Remove the lid in our lives. God, greater glory. God, release glory in this place. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in. To our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District, we want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.